0: What's going on guys? Welcome back to Pure Evil MMA. I have a really special interview here, kind of switching things up from the regular MMA uh, guests that we usually have here. You've guys heard from UFC champions, you've heard from people over at Bellator, you've heard from up-and-comers in the last couple of years, you've heard from some of the biggest stars in MMA, well now we're branching off into the metal scene. Something that really has gotten me to where I am today, something that's really inspired me to push forward within the lyrics, within the energy, and I'm very happy to welcome Jacob Shaw, the new lead singer for the brand new band, Painless, which is recently of uh, Defiler and Demure. They both joined together, and uh, we're going to talk about that, but really, I want to inspire you guys with this interview. I think that's why I really agreed to this interview. I think that's why Jacob came on the show. So first off, what's going on, Jacob? How are you doing?
1: I am doing wonderful, my man. How are you doing?
0: I'm doing good, man. I'm over on the East Coast, kind of a little uh, a little depressed here since it's about you know 10 <laughs> degrees out. You know, that definitely adds to it.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, uh, the, uh, well, the weather's been uh, a little weird over here, too. Uh, even in my town that I've lived in since 1998, I've got uh, visible snow that has stayed on the ground for days and days at a time, and that has never happened. So things are pretty weird everywhere, man.
0: So before we jump into kind of the history of things and you know how you got to this point, I really want to start back to like what inspired you to join the metal scene because at least like from my experiences, like I was in a metal band, all my listeners know. That, uh, and, and they've heard most of my music and even now to this day, even though I don't sing in bands anymore, there's nothing that makes me feel more alive than putting out some of my favorite music or, you know, just letting that emotion out. And I never had the chance to actually pursue that because after years and years of people, you know, putting you down, trying to have to, you know, fall on a safety net, so to say. I want to get your backstory on how you really got to this point and have really been able to maintain it and reach the spot where you're at today. So let's start really all the way back to when you first got inspired. What was the first time you really heard hard rock or or metal? Was it your parents? Was it your friends? Bring us through that. Paint the picture.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was, I want to say I was around, I was born in 1993 and I have a lot of, uh really vivid memories from when I was very, very young. And I remember, I want to say that the first rock song that I ever heard was uh, a song called Humans Being by Van Halen that was in the movie Twister. And I remember thinking as I, when I was four or five years old, I was like, oh, that's kind of cool. And then I had an older brother who showed me a band called Papa Roach. And then I was like, whoa, man, this is really cool and then about a year later i had started i started going out and discovering bands you know on the computer and i found disturbed and system of a down and corn and all this stuff and then i was shown slipknot and i had no idea that anything like that was like possible in music and so as soon as i heard wait and bleed i that was it i was like i need a drum set and i started playing the drums and i Taught myself a whole bunch of instruments, and that was really where it started. I started playing in local bands when I was in middle school, and that was that was how it all began.
0: Before we even get into the middle school, because I really want to paint the picture for everybody, because we do have young listeners who are going through that experience right now, who might experience doubt along the years, whether their parents are putting them down, their friends, or they have to fall on safety nets. Like Just the first experience of you sitting there in the movie theater... Watching Twister, because I remember that movie, that was intense. That yeah. was, uh, had you at the edge of your seat. So uh, the, the song that you heard really painted the picture and, and made you kind of, you know, embrace the madness, I guess. E- embrace, like, a hectic situation. We all know the end of that movie was, you know, really, uh, really pleasing how, you know, it all worked out. But going through, like, serious situations like that, I think one thing that you probably sat there and experienced was... Just the excitement of it, right? The excitement of, of those course. heavy riffs, and, right?
1: Yeah, and the, and when I heard the song come on, it, it had uh, an attitude that my four- or five-year-old brain had not really experienced yet, so that was really exciting, too.
0: Well, well, for our new, like, millennial listeners, they might not be used to our generation when, you know, we had Backstreet Boys, NSYNC, but then there was also Kid Rock that came out, and we're going to talk about Kid Rock in a little bit, but... uh <laughs> Yeah, you know, you had Kid Rock come out. Eminem was a huge force, and uh, you know, those kind of switched the game up. It really made people feel more comfortable. When when you're that age, like it, it feels like when you're discovering something new, you embrace it. You feel happiness with it. You want to follow that path. And a lot of people that were that age, you know, they got to middle school. They tried out for their talent show, and people boo them. How did your talent show go? What did you do? for uh you know in middle school with your band did you try out for talent show or how did that run go we never we, i
1: never started off by doing the talent shows but i was I, as i'm sure you can imagine i have a musical brain so i was not really interested in school or anything like that yeah. but i had a math teacher who thought of a genius way to incentivize me and what he decided was if i was able to maintain a a B-plus average in his class, he would let my band practice in the detention hall at school. Hmm. And so we would do that all the time, and then eventually we, yeah, we worked up to doing, like, a... I think we played, like, a little pep rally or or something like that, and there were a lot of people that weren't receptive to it at all because we played a Slipknot cover, and... (laughs) Yeah, yeah, and I mean, yeah, I mean, I was in seventh grade, and I was playing duality on the drums, so that was... uh, Interesting for everybody that was listening to, uh, I don't even remember who was popular back then, but it was not Slipknot.
0: <laughs> who, so. was saying, who was Britney <laughs> yeah, Spears? You and go. you know. <laughs> <laughs> so um, so that was a little
1: weird. And then when I got into high school, um, I was kind of not really receptive to a lot of the trends that were happening. So I ended up being in situations where I didn't fit very well. Like a good example would be that I was playing drums for a pop punk band and that was very very weird because I was playing like metal style drums in a pop punk band and then I was like doing backup screams here and there and everything was just really weird and it didn't work out so we played uh, like a like a battle of the band situation when I was in like freshman year or something like that and um, yeah people people didn't respond to us very well but I had a couple teachers who liked the way that I was drumming. And then I actually started a brief little band made up of a bunch of teachers and me.
0: It's so, al- it's almost like, uh, kind of, kind of, uh, not, what, the, what the hell is it? Uh, oh, why can't I remember the name of that band where, where they had like the a th- janitor. Uh, not, not outcast. What the fuck? Why can't I remember? Uh, bubbles. What the hell is his name? Shit. Uh. Not out, yeah. okay. Oh my god, I, I, I can't remember it But going back to what you were saying right there I'll, I'll remember the name of the band One of the biggest bands uh, that there really was around that time in the 90s But, you know, when you were in school There's a lot of people that don't get to be able to sit there and focus on, on a school book Their minds kind of all over the place Like for me, I used to sit there and just like draw photos or write lyrics And I used to be excited to go home and, you know, put that into something so it's kind of cool, like, where did you where did you grow up, like, uh, so around that time? I was, born, I was born
1: in the Bay Area. I, I still currently live in the Bay Area. I was born in a town called Fremont. And around the time that I was five-ish years old, we moved to a teeny tiny little town called Castro Valley that's like, the closest landmark is that it's ten minutes from Oakland, and that's pretty much all that anybody knows about it. And um, there was a lot of a lot of thrash shows going on when i was growing up you know um i had parents that were very um overbearing and so they didn't let me go to shows the first time that i ever went to a show was i had i had to sneak out and i went to the rockstar mayhem festival when i in 2008 i think
0: and around that era, like, that was pretty big for hardcore, uh, you know, in the in the late 90s, early 2000s, around that time, between Deftones, Downset, and, uh, you know, a bunch of the hardcore bands, sounds that really people haven't heard before, was, uh, you know, being in that era, was Deftones kind of a, a big inspiration, like, who was really inspiring you around that time? Well,
1: see, in the early, early 90s, it was all, it was definitely all the new metal stuff, like, like, it was the... The Infest album by Papa Roach, and it was Disturbed and System of a Down and Mudvayne and um, El Niño, Static X, all the pretty much all the new metal stuff because it had it had like the groove and the rhythm that I really really liked and I was receptive to at a young age. It wasn't until a few years later that I started getting into the really heavier stuff and the thrash and the you know this and that. So it, you know, weirdly enough, I, I actually did not get into Deftones until, man, when did Diamond Eyes come out? Wasn't that like 2009? Oh, pretty recently.
0: Not not that long ago. You know, yeah, within the last eight years, Diamond Eyes, right after Saturday Night Wrist. So,
1: So I was never really, I don't know, I guess I just didn't get Deftones, quote unquote, and then I heard Diamond Eyes, and I was like, whoa, man, this is really good, and I had to go back, and then I rediscovered, and now I would say probably my favorite is like Saturday Night Wrist.
0: Yeah. You know what? That band has stayed relevant since the early 90s. Like, even Tool, like, people appreciate their in depth, you know, look into the lyrics and the guitar. Like, there's an art to it, which a lot of people really appreciate. So, uh, you know, being in that area around that time where it was really weird because there was the emo phase going through in the mid 2000s. Like, I was in high school during the emo phase where, you know, Asley Dying kind of broke a barrier. Where it was like, it really changed everything, in a way.
1: Right, 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 right. Yeah, the the new wave of American metal with bands like uh, As They Lay Dying and Killswitch Engage and Lamb of God and all them.
0: And you know what I can relate to? Like, right now, before we keep going on your timeline, like, right now I feel like the kids that are in high school, they're appreciating, like... the the SoundCloud rappers, because it kind of represents the same thing that we were into, where it was kind of rebellious and going against, you know, the norm of what's on the radio, right? Can you kind of see that?
1: Oh, of course. I, you know, I
0: admittedly, um,
1: you know, I I mean, I'm only 25, but I'm already like old man, get off my lawn (laughs) with new music. So I really didn't want to listen to like any of the SoundCloud rap or anything like that, but... I recently listened to that XXX Tentacion thing, oh, and yeah.
0: there's sc- screaming. Like, there's actual How screaming. How cool and- is that, man? Even on the new album that he had. Like, the, the album <laughs> before that, there was a track where he just literally screams. It's called, like, a 666, uh, Welcome to Hell, or, or something like that. And it is- it's-, it's really different. It's really uh, experimental.
1: Right. And I think that that could have mm. sort of a crossover value in the same way that the new metal bands back in the day were able to... Take people that weren't into metal and get them into metal. I think that these these SoundCloud rappers could effectively do the same thing.
0: You know what's kind of a good relation there is when you had um what the hell was the name of it like where it was really rapping and like like going back to uh, what the not after the burial uh can you feel my heart by uh oh my god. Friends Bring, with me the horizon? Bring Me the Horizon. When they came out with that, where it was like kind of dubstepy mixed in with metal, it brought in a lot of other, you know, people that were in electronica into the metal scene to kind of feel that other side of emotion that goes with the, uh, you know, onset of the the live shows that electronic music brings to you, and and you can really relate when they uh, when they made that transition. And another song that really kind of changed the game, at least in my eyes, for uh, that new generation.
1: Oh, of course, man. Yeah. When those bands, what happened with a lot of them was that they either their audiences kept shrinking because the sound was stagnating or people got smart, like Bring Me the Horizon did. And they thought, you know what, we're going to change it up a little bit. We want to do something new. And I think personally that it paid off a lot. And I mean, they just put out another new album and it's got all kinds of weird electronic stuff and even like a a SoundCloud rapper ish sounding song. And I, I mean, I think it's fantastic.
0: So, you know, on that same note, before we go back into the the younger listeners that are tuning in right now, I really want to talk about, you know, bands that are kind of following that path and trying to get, you know, the new age listeners into the metal scene that aren't really familiar with or into the death metal core. Like they're doing a lot of cover songs, whether it's Post Malone, like our last night, they're from here in Connecticut and they've been doing that a lot where they're covering songs, having other lead singers or guitarists join them and cover you know Post Malone or, or Drake songs like have you been following that I kind of seen that you've been uh doing some video game covers for some of the new video games and, and stuff like that are you kind of following that trend and, and realizing what it has to offer
1: I'm not you see well the thing with uh in terms of like the electronic sounds and stuff a lot of 90s video games were like hugely influential to me like Donkey Kong Country and Mario 64 and all that kind of stuff so I basically, once I figured out how to, you know, write music a little bit better, I started playing around with all those electronic sounds. And I was like, you know, I'm just going to start doing these covers for fun. That's pretty much all it is. I don't really know if I'll ever release the Mulan cover or the Kingdom Hearts cover (laughs) or if, you know, we'll move it to Painless and we'll do anything like that. It's, It's more of like a really just like a side thing that I do. Well, yeah. It, it, <laughs> but, it really um, seems
0: like bands are doing it just for YouTube, really. Like, to, you know, kind of gain attraction. Which is another thing I want to talk to you about. Because it's a new day and age in music. Like, you, even for fighters, they have to go on social media. They have to do... Like, you have to be your own self-promoter and come up with new ideas and kind of follow trends and stuff like that. Like, it, the game has changed in the last couple of years.
1: It definitely has. And, and, you know, I a lot of things that I've seen people complain about are that... At least in terms of music, they complain about, uh, you know, streaming percentages and things like that. But they also have to understand that this is, like, the most exciting time that we've ever really had for music because everything is just, like, a click away. If you are able to, you know, cast a wide net with something that you're trying to promote or anything like that, then, you know, someone on the other side of the planet could find their new favorite band. And I think that's really exciting.
0: Isn't it kind of crazy, though, like... Now the way things are, everyone has such a short uh, uh, attention span where it's really like a flavor of the week, really. Where it's like, you guys got to stay really pumping out content to keep people entertained. Isn't that kind of crazy this day and age? Are are you guys realizing that as well? Like, you got to be on your toes. You can't wait like five years. Like, last time Tool released an album was uh, 10,000 Days, which is what? Shit. Eight years ago, two thousand six. Yeah, like how crazy is that? Like you got to be on your toes. You got to keep pumping out things to really stay relevant. I guess that's the new age term, relevancy. You know? Oh
1: no, of course. And and you know, these days it's not enough to get someone's attention. You have to keep someone's attention. And the best way to do that is basically just to be the best that you can possibly be, and hope that hope that they become an actual legitimate fan.
0: Now, another thing I really want to talk to you about that kind of ties in with the whole social media scene and also tying into, you know, your middle school days or high school days is dealing with people that are doubting you, you know, trying to keep this motivation alive. Because, like, for me, man, I wake up every day, I'm excited about the MMA news that comes out. I'm excited about what fights are going to be on this weekend or the pay-per-views coming up for, for, you know, musicians like you, you know, always being inspired to write new lyrics, come up with new beats, being inspired by other bands and stuff like that. And there's so many people that will just doubt you. And I've seen like when I was, you know, going through middle school and high school, so many people that were so talented give up because they doubted themselves. You know, did did you kind of did you ever come into that crossroads uh, of doubting yourself, trying to fall on a safety net? Especially at 25, man, you get to, you know, out of high school and it's like, shit, what do I do?
1: Right. Well, see, I had a very unique situation that I was presented with. What happened was. I was hanging out with a lot of uh, undesirable types and I was getting into trouble and they were a negative influence on me for sure. And uh, I went to Juvie for doing some stuff that I shouldn't have done. And I was in there for about two months. Um, when I went, a week before that is when we put out that first Defiler music video that blew up. So I was getting phone calls when I was in there like, hey, the music video has 30,000 views. Hey, it has 50,000 views. Hey, it's got 100,000 views. And I'm like, what's going on? Who is watching this? So, because we were we were a local band. We had never even played a show. Like, I completely just did that for fun. Like, I just wanted to do a music video. It was never intended to blow up. And then I got out of juvie, and I had emails from record labels and management companies, and that was
0: when I got hooked up with Jamie from Hatebreed. And it was Whoa. like... Yeah, so I
1: was presented with like a serious like crossroads decision and I was like, okay, am I going to keep being, you know, a knucklehead or am I going to like pursue this thing that I've wanted to do forever and so I made the obvious choice.
0: Let's stop right there. Let's pause right there. You're you're in juvie, And for for people who aren't familiar, Jamie, who you just brought up, is actually from right here in New Haven grew up really right. not far from me. About five minute drive from where I grew up was a huge inspiration for me and the hardcore scene. You get a juvenile and you see that. What's going through your head at that moment? Like, What are you I was, thinking? I really wish like I
1: knew how to do backflips because that was all I wanted to do <laughs> was just jump and do backflips because I was so excited. Like I said, I'd been completely enamored with music since I was about six. So 12, 13 years down the road, And, like, everything I had been working on, it seemed like it was finally, like, within my grasp. I mean, to... I still cannot articulate the feeling, and that was almost 10 years ago now. I mean, it it was just incredible, man.
0: So, really quick, you're in Juvenile, right? You were in a band. When you were in there, before you really found out about this, you found out people were reaching out to you, that the music video really kicked off, what were you thinking? Were you kind of, you know, thinking about settling for a safety net? Like, I need to move away from that. Like, maybe that scene isn't positive for me to you know continue with
1: i had i had pretty much no idea because at the time i wasn't really of the mindset where i needed to think 12 steps ahead i mean yeah. pl- being in the music industry is really what taught me that so at the time i was just loathing in my own misery i couldn't believe that i'd gotten myself in that situation i hated myself i doubted myself i thought i was going to be a loser for the rest of my life and then I, I, I got out and everything completely turned around and it made me motivated and it made me hungry to like chase it and grind and yeah.
0: So when you first get that hook, when you first get that kind of, you know, little taste of, all right, I'm being noticed. What do you do then? Because when, when you get that, it's really hard to do that, duplicate that, make people feel the same way and make it even better moving forward. So when you got out of there, what did you do to kind of top you know what people were noticing with that music video. What what was the move that you made?
1: We went out and we started playing shows, and we were uh, we were given chances by a lot of bands that you know took us around. And we basically went out, and shortly thereafter, we were able to do another record, and we got picked up for by a record label, and we we went around the world. And I mean, you just basically gotta. You just got to keep hitting it. I mean, once you have someone's attention, you just have to do the best that you can to keep it, like I said. So you have to, um, you know, really do your best to impress them. And, it, you know, there is no, no shortcuts at all. So, I mean, you got to give 110% all the time. I mean, on the first couple tours we did, like, I mean, I wasn't a seasoned vocalist. These are the first tours I was doing. I was basically waiting to get my anklet off and then it was like all right go out on tour so i go out and a couple times i blew my voice out cuz i'm going 100% every single night and it was like i was like oh my god i'm tr- you know these are our first tours and i'm going to have to miss some shows so i i mean and it was funny cuz i sat down with Jamie one day and he was like well what's your diet like and i was like i mean i drink a lot of soda and he was like just don't drink soda and let's see what happens and boom it fixed my voice immediately and i was like wow
0: That's another thing that, like, we see with a lot of bands, you know, Event Sevenfold, The U's, where these guys that are, you know, so used to screaming, it goes at some point when they they got to re-record an entire album and stuff like that. Like, your vocal cords are your instrument. So, you know, what what have you kind of learned for, like, the people that are tuning in that might be in metal bands right now in high school or fresh out of high school? What do you kind of do to maintain your voice?
1: Do not yell. Under any circumstances, unless you are on stage, that's probably the, I mean, that's personally what I do to maintain it. I try not to ever raise my voice unless I need to, because I got to tell you, man, it is an absolute miracle that after all these years, I still have my voice. So, you know, rest is essential. I mean, I haven't really found any luck with any of the tea remedies or ginger or lemon or anything like that. It's all, you know, whatever. It's negligible. So, the best thing that I could that I could uh, advise would basically
0: just keep your mouth shut. <laughs> Here's another thing that people may struggle with if they're in a band for a while, and you know, e- even fighters at a gym. Sometimes you're not clicking on all on on all cylinders. Sometimes the dots aren't connecting. It's hard to keep everybody on the same page. Have you ran into that issue before in the past, where it's you know? people sometimes you outgrow people and you know those times are difficult how, how do you break away have you experienced that
1: definitely definitely I kind of did with uh defiler a little bit yeah
0: and you know what do, it, what is it like going through something like that and uh and, do you kind of come and, up with and, like and, a backup plan before you make that move
1: I think that would be a wise decision but sometimes it's difficult to see that far ahead when you're in the middle of a tumultuous situation so The best thing that I could uh, advise is just try your best to maintain a level head because, you know, when when you have a lot of clashing personalities and tension is flaring, it's hard to not be impulsive. So, um, it's honestly, it's tough, and I can't really say that there's any right way to deal with it because everybody's different. But, I mean, the best thing that you could do is just – Try to grin and bear it and get through like if you're on tour and a tour is going really rough with the guys that you're playing with or anything like that. You just got to do your best to remember why you're there in the first place and you make the fans happy and then you go home and you deal with it after.
0: To kind of give a taste to people about your mentality before we move any further about how you guys joined this new band. You know, when you wake up, how do you stay motivated? Because I really feel like a lot of people go out, they work out to get the day started right, but really, your brain is also a muscle. You need to stay motivated. And when you're in this kind of a business, or you know, in the podcasting business, or the fighting business, you need to really keep your brain sharp and, and stay goal-oriented. So how do you start your day off? How does, how does your day really go, usually? Well, so
1: usually, over the past, uh, I'd say about three years, I started... I stopped drinking completely because, I mean, I I just don't think I was one of those people that was cut out for it because I started getting horrendous hangovers and just uh, my guts are all shot. So I was like, all right, I'm going to start working out when I wake up instead. So for about three years now, that's what I've been doing. I wake up and I start jamming, like, the most insanely heavy music I could possibly jam at full blast. And I work out really hard, really fast. And then... Once I've kind of got my heart rate elevated and everything like that, then I feel like I'm in a good spot to work on whatever I have to work on for the day, whether that's firing off emails or working on riffs or doing anything like that. So I think being active is a major, major part of it. And I know it's tough because people can't always fit it into their schedules and whatnot. But um, I found a way to make it work, and that's honestly helped me like tremendously.
0: That's another thing that people struggle with in bands uh-huh. or... You know, as they, as they make their names bigger, especially you guys that are going out on tour, is it hard not to party?
1: Um, it it you, I I think it's a, that's kind of a subjective thing where it depends on how strong your willpower is. So if you go out and there's people drinking and doing drugs and things like that, it seems like they're having fun. You're probably going to think to yourself, "Oh, well, I want to have fun." But I was. I I, honestly, I think the, uh, the, the really bad hangovers and the messed up stomach were a bit of a blessing because now I basically have zero desire to do anything like that at all.
0: Well, I've heard heard like a lot of, you know, people like you or, or or even big name podcasts like Joe Rogan will smoke a joint before he does a podcast of like that. Do you kind of find like, how do you prepare to go on stage? Because a lot of singers especially will down a bunch of alcohol before they go out because they feel like it helps their voice helps the motivation and kind of sink into the vibe of the guitars and the bass and the drums how how do you prepare you know
1: so what i do is i basically just find a, a little quiet place and i go and i try to clear my mind of any of the day's drama or anything that was going on and i try to focus on why I'm there and, like, you know, the the original deep, like, reason for why I'm doing what I'm doing, and usually I use that to kind of zone in on my thoughts, and that helps me focus when I get to stage on, you know, my notes and everything that I'm doing like that, because most people probably think that it seems like it's effortless when you're up there, but for some people like me, I have to focus, like, incredibly hard, so... So yeah, I don't, I don't. I mean, if there's people that drink or, or smoke a joint or whatever, and it helps them, the power to them. But um, you know, the alcohol doesn't work for me, and the joints make me see
0: stuff. So. <laughs> yeah, you don't need to feel. Yeah, you, I, I can totally feel that. Sometimes it just doesn't click. But you know what? That's that's actually a, a blessing in disguise for a lot of artists, and you'll probably get more out of your creativity and the and the longevity of things. But another thing that really ties into into everything, is, you know, going out there, putting on a good performance, and playing the same song over and over again, so is it kind of cool being with a new band, with new music?
1: Oh, absolutely, I mean, don't get me wrong, it's definitely cool playing, when I was playing the old tunes for 14 days in a row, and then at that point, it did kind of become muscle memory and get easy, but the cool thing about the new band is that I'm actually really challenging myself as a vocalist, because I never did this much with clean singing or any anything like that so this is an actual challenge and that's why it's so exciting
0: oh man and and your voice sounds so good i just listened to the uh i've been listening to the album all day the acoustic track that you guys did was phenomenal honestly i feel like more metal bands should do a cover of you know a, a hit song that they've done acoustically for people to kind of you know hear the lyrics more and kind of get that vibe that don't listen to metal. Like I could easily show my mom that and be like, "Mom, this is who I'm interviewing tonight," or "Dad, this is who I'm interviewing tonight." That aren't into metal. You know what I mean? Like I, I got to give you much respect for that, and and that's even taking your music a step further with trying it in a different format, kind of. You know? Yeah.
1: Thanks, man. I, first of all, I appreciate that, and it, you know, it means a lot because this stuff was very nerve wracking for me to do because I wasn't really a quote singer, but. I think that it's really cool when bands kind of just throw caution to the wind and if people like it, they like it because I, you know, we wanted to do the acoustic song because who's to say that a couple years down the road, we won't have, you know, enough acoustic songs to just sit down and maybe do an unplugged set and bust out the stools and dim the lights and do something like that. You know what I mean? We want to be able to do whatever we want to do. And so that was why we started out right out of the gate with just putting all different kinds of stuff out because whatever sticks will stick.
0: Corey Taylor did that uh, from Slipknot. A lot of people were kind of upset about him doing that, making that move, but it, he's come out with a, a couple of good songs and I've I, I really appreciated a couple of the songs that he's done where he's actually singing the way that, you know, it, it's a big change for the metal scene. So to say I have to admit with that,
1: that that guy is probably and I mean, I've told him this multiple times. He's probably like my number one musical influence, like of all time. And it's for that exact reason that you just mentioned. I mean, like I said, I, I was in love with Slipknot and then Stone Sour came out and I was like, what is this? <laughs> and and uh, that is honestly music that I feel I'm sure that everyone has a band where they feel like that music is made for them. And that's the music that I feel like is made for
0: me. You know, what really drives you, though? Like, when you heard that music, when you related to Slipknot, what was it uh, about that that you really liked? Because a lot of people listen to this kind of music to get over the shit that's going on at home, the shit that's going on at at work, or even going out on a morning jog, stepping in dog shit, whatever, you know, throwing your day off. A lot of the metal fans, a lot of the hard rock fans, listen because, you know, they have a stressful life. You know, so what is it that drives you to continue doing this?
1: It's basically, well, I mean, it's, it's countless things. I mean, I've had fan experiences over the years where, I'll, I'll tell you about probably the most pivotal that I had. We were in Kazan, Russia one night, which I'm sure you have not heard of. It's a teeny tiny little town in Russia, and my old band played a sold-out show. And we had a meet and greet after the set. So we finished the set. We walk off stage. And there was uh, a girl who couldn't find out. She was 14 years old. And she, like, asked me for an autograph. And I was like, yeah, sure. So I go to write on her arm because she didn't have any paper. And she lifted up her shirt. And she had a bunch of cut marks on it. And I was like, okay, wait for me after the signing. And I'm going to come back and talk to you. So I do the signing. And I go back. And I had our Russian tour manager translate this whole conversation and i basically told her no matter how bad it gets it can always get better don't worry about boys just focus on school do things you want to do and she just broke down and started bawling and gave me like the biggest bear hug that i've ever felt and i gave her my tour lanyard and she like gave me her hat and then a couple years went by and she sent me a message on the russian facebook site and she was like hey so i did what you said and now I'm a tattoo artist and this is what I've always wanted to do and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, wow, because if she like actually listened to me at all or thought that I was some sort of rock star or whatever, then maybe my words would have like influence. So that was why I wanted to do it. And after that whole thing, I was like, man, I got to try to keep doing music for as long as I can, because that was one of like the most like genuine, fulfilling things that I had like ever felt.
0: it's so sad it happens throughout music like man 2018 was such a shitty year for musicians what Mac Miller passing there were so many artists that we lost in 2018 that you know really helped a lot of people like Mac Miller for me helped me get through a lot in my life overcome things that I felt like he could relate with so on that kind of a level like music is that release and it's so sad to see an artist like Mac Miller fall through and it's amazing to see somebody like you reach out to somebody and literally, something like that could change somebody's life, their entire, you know, reality. It changes their entire reality. Cause because they don't realize that you are the same as them. They look at you and think that you are born with, you know, being a rock star. You're not. You did exactly what everyone was given. You 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 guided your way through it. You stayed inspired. And that helps a lot of people when they hear someone like you reach out.
1: Of course, man, and and that's why I almost feel like I have some sort of moral responsibility to do things like that when I am presented with the opportunity because I have been in the shoes of those kids who have been completely filled with doubt and they feel like they have no love in their lives and nowhere to go, and I, I understand how terrible it feels and I don't want people to feel like that. So if I have the opportunity to maybe instill a little bit of drive or a little bit of happiness in anyone at all, then I'm I'm definitely gonna do
0: it. Well like you were saying at the beginning of this interview, like you were having a hard time in school, but it was your teachers that reached out to you and be like, Man, you got something special going on with, you know, being creative and your your skills outside of the notebook that we're sitting here for an hour and, and losing your attention with. Like sometimes it takes someone like that, someone higher up, to really You know, make something click in somebody's mind. So, when you were writing this new album, what was really the inspiration behind it? For people that want to, you know, go out and check this album that you guys just released for "Painless," you know, what do you think the entire like, if it was a book, what do you think the moral of this album really is?
1: Well, it's it's a little bit of a sore spot. I had, um, unfortunately, in the last year and a half-ish, I had multiple of my immediate family members pass away, and so I was dealing with a lot of grief, and I had never in my life dealt with something that serious before, so I had no idea how to really get it out, and it was actually really, really concerning because I had just linked up with these guys. We were starting to demo some stuff and get the band going, and then these balls were dropped on me. My dad passed, and then my grandmother passed, and it was like, "What is going on?" So I really just tried to funnel all of those negative emotions into the songs the best that I could. So that that's the thing about Painless that's a little bit different is I'm the the lyrical content is a lot heavier, I would say, than uh, than the old stuff is.
0: And, and your father has actually been in your music videos before in the past, your father and your brother, correct, in Defiler? He, he
1: was, yeah. And so they were, once they once I got a little bit older, like out of high school and I started going on tours, They, I think they started to realize like, oh man, this you could actually go somewhere with this. So they were extremely supportive. I mean, like you just said, my, I was like, hey dad, want to be in a music video? And he was like, yep, let's go and you know so i mean he bought me my first drum set my parents they helped me pay to record the first defiler album so they were um they were really really supportive and it
0: takes it, it takes a good set of parents like i remember reading Derek jeter's biography and he was about six years old walked into his parents bedroom with a baseball glove and said i'm gonna play shortstop for the new york yankees and they looked at him that night and said, yes, you will. Like, they, they believed in him. So, you know, what does it mean looking back? You know, you don't have kids right now, do you? No, I don't. So, well, what does it mean to you looking back and seeing somebody like that really believe in what you're doing? Did you kind of block I, out anyone else that had anything negative to say? Oh, of course. And, I mean, the, the you know, my dad was
1: really old school. So, it was like, get a a normal real job and do this and that and the other but at at the end of the day I could always tell that what he really wanted was for me to be happy and there weren't really many things in life that made me as happy or made my eyes sparkle like playing music did so I honestly couldn't I mean it was absolutely invaluable to have them supporting me because I know that there are so many people out there that don't have that I know that they have parents that are like you know, be a part of the real world and do this and that and the other. So I was definitely very fortunate to have what
0: I had. Even people like Bobby Lee, I've heard say, uh, he was on MTV for our mad TV for those of you guys that really don't, uh, or are, aren't familiar and his entire comedy career, his parents were like, no, we don't want you to do this until he was on the late show with David Letterman. And then he called up and was like, I, I support you. You know, what, what did it mean for you to have somebody like your father on a music video and, and really be able to look back, you know, five, six years later uh, on something like that, having part of your journey cemented forever?
1: Oh, man. I mean, it's like, well, I mean, first of all, I'll always be able to look back at that music video and think, you know, and it will remind me of how supportive, you know, my parents were. So it's... um. It's just, man, it's it, it's still kind of kind of weird to talk about. It's just so incredible and invaluable. Like, I just saw the movie Bohemian Rhapsody recently. Yes. And Freddie Mercury's dad was super, super negative about the, the playing the music and doing this, that, and the other. And then it came time for them to play the Live Aid show, and his dad finally broke down and was like, All right, this is it. You're doing it. I'm proud of you. Blah, blah, blah. And I was like, oh, man, that was that was kind of how it was for me, because, like I said, I was getting in trouble. I was being a knucklehead. I was doing all kinds of stuff I shouldn't have been doing, and my parents were really upset. You know, I'm they <laughs> helped me out with attorney's fees and stuff, so I'm sure you can imagine they were really <laughs> not happy. Yeah. And, and then it came a point where, oh, I'm going on tour. I'm working with Jamie from Hatebreed. I just got signed to a record label. I... And so they were like, "Wow, you know what? We're gonna, we're gonna be all in with this." And that was, oh man, I won't forget that for as long as I live.
0: So really quick, as we get towards the end of this podcast, you guys really been seeing up on your memes and your social media. It kind of was trending because one thing that really clicked with you guys that people loved was the entire Kid Rock slash Doctor Phil lifestyle. What, 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 what went into that in the music video and the thought behind it? Because it was a big hit.
1: Man, that was, okay, so the way that it happened was I saw the picture of Kid Rock and I posted the meme and that, that was it. It just blew up like immediately and like within a couple hours, Dr. Phil saw it and the next morning it was on The View with Oprah <laughs> and so we were like, man, we should do something really fun because that's the thing we're just we just want to have fun that's at the end of the day it's like it's serious but it's not that serious so like let's have some fun and and so our guitar player and I we put together the cover really quick and then I went out and I had um my friend who does makeup dressed me up as Dr. Phil, and we just shot the video in, like, two hours, and that was it. It was, it was, oh, man, it was such a good time.
0: What was the responses that you were seeing? Was that was that something that really inspired you to kind of, you know, keep on that track, do something like that again? Like, can you see yourself doing something like that in the future? What was the responses that you are seeing from, you know, your listeners? Did it grow the fan base a little bit, doing something like that? It, yeah, no, definitely. There was, I mean, it had its, its standard,
1: uh, you know, some people just hate the screaming and they're always going to hate the screaming oh, and they're yeah. going to definitely let you know in the loop, in the YouTube comments. But then there were other people who were like, man, this is really fun and I like this band a lot more now because of this. And so it definitely worked out. I had no regrets and I would definitely do it again if I happened to post a meme that goes viral.
0: So really quick, moving forward, this is probably my last topic I want to discuss with you and probably the most important topic that I saved for last uh, Last. You're moving into this band, Painless, with Emir. You guys came out last year with the EP. How did this come together? How, how did they find you, bring you into the band? So, a little bit of backstory.
1: I have been in love with Emure since I was a, probably, I'd say, about 14 years old. When I was 15, I got their logo tattooed on the back of my oh, leg. Oh,
0: no shit.
1: Swear, that was my first tattoo CT when I was 15 stand years
0: up. old. Connecticut, stand so, up.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so then Defilers started getting popular, and people started clumping us together with mirror because they said the style was similar. So I was like, okay, cool. I don't mind. Yeah. And um, then I made friends with their singer Frankie, and then we went on tour. We opened for them in 2013, I want to say. And so I just got along really well with the rest of the guys, and I stayed in contact with. Uh, our drummer, Mark Castillo, who is playing for Barrier Dead as well.
0: Mark Castillo, yeah. So Classic band too, Barrier Dead, for those of you out there that don't, aren't familiar. Another very inspirational band in the early 2000s that changed the scene as well for the hardcores, uh, hardcore oh, fans out there.
1: Definitely, definitely. So Mark and I always talked about being in a band together, and then all the rest of the guys left a mirror. And I was like, hey, so can I sing now? So he sent me one of their demos, and he didn't tell them that it was me. So he was like, look, I'm just going to send this back to him and see what they say. So they all said that they loved it. And then they're like, oh, we want to do a video chat with him. And he's like, all right, I'm just going to let him see who you are when we get in the video chat. (laughs) And so we got in the video
0: chat, and
1: they're like, oh, it's you? You're our singer, dude. Like, that's it. Let's go.
0: Was it scary for you? Because, you know, this has happened before in the past with other metal uh, metal bands like Norma Jean. Even, you know, emo bands like Sayo Sen going to Circus Survive. Were you a little nervous with that jump up because you kind of looked at them like, you know, a, a band that you were really influenced by?
1: Oh, absolutely, man. I mean, there's I still get the jitters because it's like I have to pinch myself because I'm playing music with people that I've yeah. looked up to for so long. So... You know, I sometimes when I'm feeling bad, I remind myself that I have an amazing opportunity, and we all get along really well. We're all just happy, fun-loving guys, and so I, I'm, I'm again, I'm really, really lucky to uh, to be able to do what I'm doing.
0: Moving forward, this is the last question. What can we expect from you guys in 2019?
1: Well, right now we are getting ready to go into the studio to record a single with a producer who i cannot name yet i still got a couple pins to knock down but we're doing that and then we're going to shoot an insane massive music video for it with all kinds of crazy cgi and a lot of fun stuff and it's it's for a song that i honestly think is one of the best songs that i've ever written in my life bar none so it's it's, so things are going to be really exciting in the next couple months here
0: hey man what 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 can you say about touring in america compared to you know, touring over in Europe? Because my uncle plays in a metal band. They tour all over the world. And he says, you know, the European fans, the German fans especially, are unlike anything he's ever seen. What's the difference? So,
1: America has a social courtesy that some other countries just do not have. So when you play in Europe in some countries, like Germany, they'll be like, eh, you weren't that good last night. You were better last time. Or they'll say, hey, you know, your drummer really sucked tonight, but you guys will do all right next time. Like, they, they just, and it's not rude to them. They just don't have that that social courtesy that we have. So, like, if you have thin skin, you should not go play over there because, man, they will eat you alive.
0: <laughs> well, are, are the crowds pretty brutal over there? Because, I, you know, I've been listening to some hit German bands in the past, you know, the early 2000s. Like Dude, Duhash, do Duhashmish—you do know those kind of bands—and they're still active, and people still love them till this day. And the crowds that you see in those live videos, really—they they, they don't compare to the to the Americans, like at all. It really doesn't. I would I
1: would argue that the European crowds are much more invested in the music. Definitely. I mean, like you could look at a band like Parkway Drive, who will play. Large theaters in America, and then they'll play arenas in Europe with pyro and explosions and all kinds of crazy stuff. So, Europe is definitely a great place for metal, and it has been for a long time. And I think that it might take a couple years, but America will probably get back on track soon.
0: All right, this is my last question to you. Uh, what, what are some of the tracks, some of the bands that you've been listening to recently, other than your own, that people should definitely go check out? And we'll have all the links. For all the latest EP and the iTunes link, YouTube channel down below here in the uh, in the co- in the description down below. Well, what have you been listening to lately, especially in 2018 moving to 2019? Because I saw that you've been listening to even people like Post Malone.
1: Oh man, I love Posty, I love that. <laughs> First of all, a lot of people might not know he is a diehard metal fan.
0: Oh, really? He, I didn't know that.
1: Yeah, no, he auditioned for a band called Crown the Empire. And he didn't make the spot, and that was when he decided to be a rapper, and it just blew up. So, so I mean, I love that guy. I love his songs. I think they're super catchy and great. Um, I've been listening to a band called Rivers of Nile, and they're a death metal band with a saxophone player. And it's just super weird, but it's tasteful and it's great. I've been listening to a new band called Fever 333 with members from... Let live and night verses and it's like kinda sort of like an active rock thing, but it's really aggressive. And uh I mean man, I've been listening to so much me I just I listened to one of the new Ariana Grande songs and I
0: loved it. Yeah, Ariana, man, Disney Disney like that that might be one of your uh one of your what, what is it, uh dirty little secrets? Something like that. Like something yeah. that you wouldn't normally say but, you know, I like it. You know what I mean? (laughs) Oh, no, of course. I mean, don't get me wrong.
1: I listen to my death metal and stuff, but, you know, sometimes you want to chill. You want to listen to some weird stuff. So Ariana, there's a great band from the U.K. called Don Broco, and they are blowing up over there right now. I mean, they just played Wembley Stadium and, like, sold it out, and they're, like, kind of a weird pop rock sort of thing. Um, What have I been listening to? There's another band... They play super crazy death chord. They're called Lorna Shore. Um, what else? I mean, there's so much, man. Uh, Siler, my friends in Siler, they play, they're put kind of like a, a new metal sort of thing, and they got one of their songs on uh, NFL. The uh, Monday Night Football was playing oh, wow. it, so I'm really happy for them. And yeah, man, there's just, like I said, it's a really exciting time for music. There's so much out there, so... If you want to find something that is like the exact thing you want to listen to, you'll probably find it.
0: And really quick, uh, a sixty-second question: What do you think it is about your new band, Painless, that you know separates you from all these other bands?
1: I think that we are probably the heaviest band that could be played on the radio, possibly.
0: Because I agree with that.
1: We've got the the really catchy, you know the the soaring choruses and all that kind of stuff, but when we go heavy, it's really heavy. I mean, it's just straight stinky, dude. So I think that that is definitely something that could set us apart, and it might be someone's gateway to listen to a lot of heavier music that they otherwise would not like.
0: That's what sucks, though. That's what sucks about, you know, the radio in two thousand almost twenty. They don't have any metal stations. It's old rock bands and, you know... Uh, pop bands, rap music. There's no real metal stations on if you have Sirius or you, you know, buy iTunes or Apple Music. It's or Spotify. It, it's kind of sad. I have noticed that
1: and I definitely agree with that even here in the Bay Area, which was, you know, the largest, I mean, one of the biggest thrash scenes ever and and we don't really have a metal station here at all. And um I think it's just uh, you know, a turning of the tide, but I believe everything goes in cycles. So again, I think this is just one of those weird times for metal that we're just gonna have to wait out a little bit. And if if these SoundCloud rappers keep helping us out, then we might get to uh, emerge into the mainstream again. I think it's just gonna take the right band and I would love for that to be my band.
0: There you guys go. And I'll post all the links down below, Jacob, really quick. Where can people find you on social media?
1: They can find me on Twitter at Jake Says You Suck <laughs> and they can <laughs> They can find me on uh, Instagram at underscore Jacob Shaw underscore and Facebook at Jacob Shaw.
0: And I'll have all the links down below for Painless as well and all the band members that go along with it. Jake, I want to thank you so much for joining us here on Pure Evil MMA. Can you just say, hey, guys, it's Jacob Shaw of Painless, and you're listening to Pure Evil MMA?
1: What's going on, everybody? This is Jake from Painless, and you are listening to Pure Evil MMA.
0: Thanks, Jake. Have a great day or a great night, I guess. Thank you, too, man. I'll talk to you soon. Okay. There you guys go. Jacob Shaw. Painless. Switching things up from the MMA scene over to metal. something I really enjoyed. That was pretty cool doing a interview outside of the MMA scene. Because metal has really got to, got me where I am today. I was in metal bands my entire life. Keeping the inspiration through the lyrics. Uh, the The music that I listened to when I feel down about myself. You know, a lot of it which I wanted to talk to him about was you know, growing up, dealing with friends that who, who've committed suicide that, that gave up that so much talent. And uh, I actually have a poster right over there of my best friend that uh, committed suicide and like me and, and all of the friends that we had around, you know, the, the, the tri-towns. Uh, it, it was just such a tight community and just having somewhere to escape. Like if you had a home that you really couldn't call a home and being able to escape, go to, a weekend show where it was like a bunch of local bands that were trying to make it big Just like uniting with everybody there, there was nothing better than that. There was nothing that felt more Fulfilling, but it was getting through Monday through Friday. That was always the struggle and I, I've seen so many of my friends that have been so talented give up fall on safety nets uh, people that w- were so talented fall into drugs like you see a lot of these music videos or you know people are drinking and you know, Even during this interview, I took a couple of shots, just hanging out, I smoked my weed. But there's a difference because some people fall into that too hard and they never find their way out. And I, I've dated girls, I've even been through it myself where I've overcame addictions. And to be in a band, imagine that, trying to keep everybody on the same page and realizing what the band means to so many people worldwide. What the lyrics mean, what the songs mean. And yeah, they'll live forever on iTunes, Spotify, YouTube. But when you see a band live, or like he was sharing the story of one of his fans going to meet him and him seeing her backstage and having a translator be like, you know, what's wrong? Well, why do you have that on your arm? And Him saying those, that, that, such few words changing her entire reality it means so much and it, it's so sad to see how many even the bands that were here in connecticut like he was saying jamie josta who was you know here in new haven i grew up really close to him i've seen them live but i can't even tell you guys how many times e muir the band that he's playing with right now can't tell you guys how many times i've seen them they blew up and it takes someone with such in hate breeds words, perseverance, to even this day in social media, where you have so many people turning you down, being telling you that you suck, that you're awful and you should give up, go kill yourself. All, all these nasty things that people hide behind their keyboard and they have no issue saying to you. You have to respect somebody that keeps pushing forward, doesn't fall into the scene of, like I said, when you're recording a music video, everyone's drinking. At some point, after you're done recording that music video, three days later, those people are still drinking, still doing drugs. They get deep into it, and it controls their every move. It manipulates them to do things they would normally never do. And it's sad, and I've seen this firsthand. I was listening to uh, Jacob's album all day from Painless, looking up the lyrics and relating to it. And man, I will never get sick of the old beat down two-step. That will never get old. Uh, and you can definitely hear it with some of the members in this band that have been other bands that have influenced me and that are still on my iTunes list, my Apple Music list, my Spotify playlist. And it, it, it's, it's something so inspiring. And that's why I really enjoy interviewing the fighters as well. Think about it. These fighters who have even made it to a UFC champion. They lose two fights after that. People write them off. People tell them they're no good. They should retire. They're not who they once were. People were doubting Jose Aldo. Telling Jose Aldo, hang it up. It's too late for you. After the Conor seven, uh 13 second knockout. It's so inspiring. And these are the interviews I want to give to you guys. Even though this show is called Pure Evil the As you saw tonight. With Jacob. There we go. Everything's backwards on OBS right now. It's just all like with Jacob Shaw. Don't give up, believe in yourself. What it means for your parents to believe in you, back you up, buy you your first drum set. Imagine being in juvenile, getting out, and be like, oh yeah, yeah, man. Uh, Jamie Jostin from Hatebreed hit us up and you know, they wanna connect with us. Our music video, that we recorded before you went into juvie and screwed up and made all those mistakes. It blew up, man. So what is it? What are you going to do? What are the life choices you're going to make now? It's left or right. And a lot of people get to that. And even if you're not doing anything wrong, even if you're so talented and you're in a band for so long and it's, it's, we see this so many times people are cracking away at the end of the cave and they get right here and the diamond is right here. And they give up right there. Because they fall on a safety net. They say, I can't do this anymore. I need to get a real job. I need to you know, go to EMT school. I need to finish college, which is good. I'm not trying to detour anyone from that. But you see it all too often. You have to give respect to people that uh, that have tracked that path, that have been through that trail that have climbed the mountain, really. And when you get to that mountain, that's another, like even people that say, you know, (laughs) when you're in the regional scene, you make it to the UFC, you made it to the UFC, but can you stay in the UFC? Can you stay relevant? We've seen this with a lot of artists down the road as well, which is why social media is changing things in almost 2020. You need to stay relevant. You can't be like Tool where you're coming out with an album every eight, 10 years. You need to stay relevant. You need to stick with trends, like they were doing with the the memes with <laughs> with uh, Doctor Phil or our last night from here in Connecticut, doing covers of uh, some of the hip hop songs. Pop goes pong and albums like that. Like there's there, there's things like that that are really kicking off on social media on YouTube this day and age. The game has changed, and I find a lot of inspiration from that. So I want to thank Jacob Shaw for joining us on pure evil MMA, that meant a lot to uh, to hear from somebody that's also making it outside of the MMA scene. Kind of give you a different taste and really make you realize that we really are not the same. We all, tonight, I will be sleeping on my pillow. You will be sleeping on your pillow. Jacob will be sleeping on his pillow. Conor McGregor will be sleeping on his pillow. It's about what you do when you wake up tomorrow morning to better yourself, to drown out the haters, to Overcome what people said you can't do, and that's a reason why I really wanted to do this interview. And I think we succeeded there. That meant a lot to uh, to have Jacob on the show tonight. And uh, Amir has been one of my favorite bands. I'm here in Connecticut, I've been listening them for a very long, uh, very long time. His original band Defiler, never forgot the music videos that they came out with, the the breakdowns they came out with his voice. It feels so good to finally have him branch out, do something different, not hear the same old songs from 6 years ago. A lot of bands find trouble playing the same songs over and over again when you can, you know, you have a new project and that's got to be so exciting. So keep your eyes on Painless 2019 guys. Check out their EP on Apple Music, Spotify, Subscribe down below here on Pure Evil MMA, iTunes, Podbean, Stitcher, Player FM, Podbean. Did I say that? iTunes. Did I say that? YouTube. Did I say that. Periscope. Did I say that? All right, guys. Make sure to follow us on Twitter at evil underscore echo. That's e v i l underscore e c c o. Also on Instagram at Pure Evil MMA. I just dropped a new podcast with James McSweeney from Ultimate Fighter season ten. First pick on Team Rashad. James McSweeney Gloves Off Episode Number twelve. What a great podcast that was. Uh definitely one of my favorites. I'm Evil Eddie from Pure Evil MMA, guys. Pure Evil Find all the links at pure evilmate.com. When that to the end, remember, without evil, there will never be purity. Behave yourselves.